so excited about God's work in the midst of um, in the midst of our context. And today, I want to talk to you about our context and our call. Uh, so, kind of going to divide things into two parts for just a bit. But before I do that, uh, I just want to say I'm really excited about us restarting our gathering um, this Sunday, uh, November first. And I want to just say what our heart is to that. The scripture says, do not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. What it means is, among other things, is we desperately need one another. So please understand our heart. We know that that a certain percentage of our population does not need to be gathered with other people during a pandemic. So we honor that. And and we have worked hard to present uh, an excellent uh, online experience for you in worship. There's another part of the population that uh, is, is in, during this time, very much needing to gather. And so at 11 o'clock every Sunday from here on in, we will be gathering to worship together. And both of these experiences, online and in person, will be a part of us restarting um, a church in 2021. Because it's not going to look like what it did. God's doing more. Today, I want to ask for your grace as we uh, continue in the series that Pastor John began last week addressing the reality of our context, and that is that we have an election coming. And I want to talk to you about the politics of love and the pandemic of fear. As a church, we have three priorities, to love well, to live Jesus, and to believe big. As we all move together in this election, we are less together than I've ever seen our nation. We are Divided in anxiety and fear, um, division is more of a reality than, than the, the unity that, um, that we need. Today, I'm calling you to live Jesus uh, in love in a way that shows the work of the Spirit in your life. It's a political season, and people are so politically sensitive. And all you have to do is look at Facebook. And I, I got to be honest, I have taken a short Facebook break for my own mental health. Um, so for all my Facebook friends, uh, I just want to say hi. I love you. Uh, I'll, I'll be back. I'll see you soon. But on the Facebook that I have been, I have seen so much anger and, and even so much hatred and disrespect for one another that, that it has grieved my heart. And more importantly, I believe it's grieved the heart of God deeply. So I'm never going to tell you how to vote, but as your shepherd, the grace that you give me to shepherd you, uh, I'm going to ask for that grace to, to shepherd you through this political, um, this political season. We are getting ready for one of the biggest elections in, in generations, and, and it's not simply going to end in the election. The aftermath will continue for quite some time. So I want to be able to frame um, your living in this context and in this situation. And, and I want you to integrate um, your life in Christ to your life in the body politic. So what is politics? One definition of politics is the activities associated with the governance of a country or other areas. So I also want you to, to think in terms of the governance of your life, especially the debate or conflict among individuals or within yourself, having or hoping to achieve power. So ultimately, Politics is about uh, how we use power, it is about reaching for power, and it's about the, the discourse or conversation 
or interaction that we have with one another and within ourselves um, about how life should be lived. Your politic, what governs you, uh, what you advocate and trust is, you know, in, in Christ is the love of your father given in the life of his son, uh, empowered by the Holy Spirit that, that dwells incarnate in you. So as we face a deadly pandemic in a divided nation, here's our guide. Very simple. I, I had other directions that I was going with this message and God directed me very strongly to Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, it's totally all-encompassing. Do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So everything is under the umbrella of Jesus and what he means and the significance of who he is, his name. You know, we're going to talk a little bit about, about labeling people and, and names matter to God so very much. In fact, it's it's like right up there at the top of the commandments that, that we are not to abuse the name of God. Names matter. And we are to live under the name, under the, the, the vision and the love and the umbrella and the reality of, of who God is revealed in Christ. So let me, let me just um, give you just some general observations just about our context. And, and the purpose of all of this is, is our living and our praying, and I want to call you to be praying for our nation. And do not forget the power of faith-filled prayer to change the reality of our times. You are not helpless, and we are certainly not hopeless. So let me just make some observations as we talk about our context and our call. First of all, in our context, our nation is afraid and fear makes enemies. Fear needs enemies to exist. And so whenever we're afraid, we are automatically going to create an enemy. We, we, we have to have an enemy if, if we fear. So in this season of this wonderful year of 2020, which I doubt any of us will ever forget, we're infected with two viruses, um, fighting two pandemics, COVID and the virus of fear. One Declaration, though, resizes all of life in the face of both pandemics. And that is the faith-filled declaration from the heart, from the depths of our identity, these three words, Jesus is Lord. Now, I want you to say that right now. No, I'm serious. You at home. I, I, I can hear you. I can see you. I want you to take just a second together right now and say it. Jesus is Lord. Because that's the declaration that right-sizes and resizes everything else in life. Second uh, observation about our context is that your fellow American is not your enemy. I have been astonished at how hatefully I see our divided nations speak about one another. I, I have had multiple conversations with, with people, and, and one, um, one friend I just was kind of astonished, really stunned by the level of hatred he had for people in the other party. And, and these people in his mind were out to literally destroy the nation. And, and I, I just wanted to say to him, no, this is the way democracy works, is we have this exchange and this discourse of ideas, and, and then we mediate between those things, and we compromise, and we all agree 
that, that we're going to find a center and common ground and we're going to live together. But, but in his case, these other people were absolutely the enemy and loving them was really not an option, uh, except the interpretation of love honestly was this. It's, it's like, well, the most loving thing I can do is to convince them they're wrong. I just was kind of stunned, um, honestly, by the arrogance of that statement. Maybe the most loving thing you could do was to show people the rightness of Jesus, but to spend the capital of your life and energy convinced that someone else is your enemy and and thinking that labeling them is understanding or... I, here's the challenge under this context. Our, our enemies as a nation are, are, are not our fellow Americans. There are enemies we have outside, but they're not our fellow Americans. And, and here's what I want to challenge you to do. Stop labeling people. It is a shallow, lazy, arrogant, hell-inspired way to respond to people. And, and it, is, it is this, this you know, thing that we do in a moment that is this cheap substitute for love and understanding for the embrace of grace in, in other people. To, to, to label someone quickly versus seeking to understand them and their pain. Um, one's the move of, of hell and the other is the move of heaven. So don't label people. make that move from not labeling to to letting the name of Jesus be overall, it is a transforming move. Because when I see somebody else, I, I don't see somebody of the opposite party. I don't see somebody who's wrong. I see somebody for whom Jesus died. So third observation in this context is that democracy celebrates difference and finds common ground. It, it doesn't destroy difference. I kind of already touched on that, but but this is the nature of democracy. It's it's not deep states and other things. It's it's people who disagree with one another and who see life differently. But but unlike the rest of human history in this grand uh, experiment of of a, of a unified republic, we actually find a way to govern ourselves. We we don't allow ourselves to be ruled by you know by people who would not give us a voice. We all together come and find our voice and, and we, we live this grand experiment. I, I loved voting the other day um, because every time a first-time voter would come in, in this crowd of people, somebody would shout, first-time voter! And there would be cheers around it. It's like, yes, this doesn't happen in so much of the rest of the world and throughout human history. So much suffering and so much oppression ha- has occurred because the people did not have a voice. Democracy celebrates difference and finds common ground. And that's what we need to do in the days to come. Our, our greatness, I would also just say, um, moving forward, is, is our virtue. The Declaration of Independence, um, submitted July 4th to Congress in 1776, uh, written by, by several, largely Thomas Jefferson, says this, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, 
that they're endowed by their creator with certain unalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. This was a revolution in so many senses. And the greatness of our nation has been its adherence to these high virtues, which were selfless and uncommon and required the best of us. I love what Secretary of State William Seward, um, Abraham Lincoln's secretary, said so famously, you've heard the, the quote before, there was always just enough virtue in this republic to save it. Sometimes none to spare, but still enough, just enough, to meet the emergency. We need to reach for the virtue of our beginning and, and seek that which inspires and is worth living and dying for instead of all of the things that divide and separate. I just also want to say that in this historic context we're living during this pandemic, as we move into 2021, we have a historic chance to right the wrongs of racism. These high virtues that brought us together as a nation were not well lived out. And it is true that all men were created equal if your skin was light. But if it was dark, you could be owned. If it was dark, you could be diminished. And the legacy of that racism has continued to this present day. Many, uh, surprisingly, still disagree with that statement, but the only way that you can deny that the reality of re racism as dust in the air is that you never talk to any person of color and hear their story of the difference that people make based solely on some, some snapshot label, some, some deep-seated prejudice. I believe we have the chance in 2021 to move the conversation of anti-racism forward. And as a church, we are committed to do just that. Lastly, I just want to say in terms of our context, before we talk about the main thing this morning, which is our call, is that um, God blessed America to be a blessing. Remember that. He didn't bless us to make us proud of ourselves and imagine that we're better than anybody else. <laughs> you know, when, when you are blessed by God, you know that it was by God, not by you. And there's a humility and an overflow that, that seeks to share the blessing with others. And that is the, the virtue of our nation. So now let me switch to our call in this pandemic of, of, of fear. Let me outline for you a politic of love. Our call is to live Jesus. We talk about, um, you know, to, to love well, live Jesus, and believe big. Our call is to live Jesus, not merely talk about him, and to be the love that God uses to save this lost and broken world. Not merely to know about it and learn facts about it, to actually be and incarnate the very agape of God in the details of our lives so that in everything we do, we do it in the name of the Lord Jesus. Your Facebook post, every word you write um, will ring for eternity from heaven or for hell. And it is your privilege as, as someone who has begun life-changing salvation to be the love of God that attracts somebody else to the truth of Jesus Christ. And if you value your party above your savior, and if you spend the capital of your life arguing with people for a passing party instead of an eternal savior, you have wasted your witness and you have corrupted the politic of, of heaven and you don't understand the purpose of your being. Set your identity in the person of Christ, not in party politics. 
Colossians chapter 12 verses, uh, chapter 3 verses 12 through 17 says this. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly or divinely, uh, would be an even, I think, you know, better translation, loved. You got to know who you are. You are God's. God has set his eye on you, his heart on you. God's focus from eternity past has been to break the broken that that has tripped up the world that you're living in and to save you and to begin a life-changing relationship with you that, that just grows and amplifies through all of eternity and that you enjoy him and the gift of your life and, and the power of his grace forever. Your identity is not found in party politics first, but is in who you are as God's chosen and, and who you are as God's divinely loved. You need to look in the mirror. And you need to, to let that person experience the love of God through your decisions and through your actions. We need to value others in our actions as Christ valued us in his actions. All of our faith is actional. It's not just verbiage and, oh, I love Jesus, but, but you're an idiot. You can't do that. You can't be cruel to people in your words and, and, and think that you've received the kindness of Christ. You, you have to translate everything um, in, in your journey into, into the name of Jesus. You're living life in his footsteps and your conversations are, are, are conversations inspired by heaven and eternity and the scriptures and love and nothing less. Colossians 3, uh, 12 goes on to say, clothe yourselves with compassion. Don't walk out naked and be embarrassed in eternity. <laughs> clothe yourselves with compassion and understanding, kindness and humility, gentleness and patience. Does this description mark your political life? Does it describe it accurately how you deal with people who think differently than you, than you or who are from a different party? Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Your, your value of another human being reveals your value of Jesus. And if you diminish any other human being for any reason whatsoever, you have rejected Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord and mocked the blood of his crucifixion. It's actions that that, that prove the heart of love, which is why heaven became, um, became flesh and lived and died and suffered and bled and was resurrected. God did something with his love. And if you have a love for God, you must do the same. And in this pandemic season, this season of anxiety and fear and division, it is time more now than ever to live Jesus and to be the love. I mean, to, to put it into the details, every detail in your home from the moment you wake up to the moment you go to bed, to how you act online and, and in school, to, to how you engage other people politically, to how kindly all of this is under the name of Jesus and an expression of his divine love. We can't have Jesus and treat anyone as an enemy. You can't do it. You are a liar, a hypocrite, a fraud, and, and a deceiver, if you claim to love Jesus and you hold on to somebody else as an enemy. Scripture says in Colossians 3, 13b, forgive as the Lord forgave you. Have you forgotten 
how much sin you have in your life? Have you forgotten all the things God could hold against you? Have you forgotten that a single sin could send you to hell for all of eternity and that you and I have have countless more than that? Have you forgotten that you have been dearly loved and, and, and deeply valued and that God has has actively moved his agape towards you in ways that include you, that erase your sin, that, that do not hold these things against you. In fact, instead of holding anything against you, Christ suffered to move all of that away so that nothing would stand between he and you in eternal embrace. And if that doesn't translate into how you treat other people, then you don't have Christ in your heart. Luke 6, 27 says, but, but to you who are listening, I say, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. <laughs> I, I, I talked to another person and, and they labeled uh, somebody else, you know, in this case, they labeled them, labeled them, what are they, oh, they labeled them a socialist. And, and with that one label, which again, I, I doubt they could, accurately defined socialist. I don't think they'd ever had a conversation with this person. Um, I don't think there was any deep thought or understanding in, in any of this, but this label applied, and now this person is my enemy. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, you, you are being inspired by hell instead of the Holy Spirit. The truth is, I am allowed no enemies in my life. Have people hurt me? You bet they have. They're not my enemies. It doesn't, doesn't mean that we don't grieve. It doesn't mean we're not wounded. It doesn't mean we don't, don't hurt. It doesn't mean that, that we treat any of this in a shallow way. The cross is not a shallow experience. It is dealing with the pain and, and forgiving, letting go. The Greek word ephemi means essentially to, to let go of. It, it is as though you are releasing your hands from around someone's neck. <laughs> and instead of wanting to, to strangle them, you become the love of God to them. You have no enemies if you have Jesus. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. So if you love Jesus, you live him. That's just simply the way this thing works out. You, the, the, simply the way that fire is hot, water is wet, um, love embraces. And, and, and we become the love that God uses to save a lost and dying world. And it has never been more needed than in this fearful time of a, a deadly pandemic and, and a divisive politic. Your witness, your, your chance to shine on the stage of eternity, your chance to be a brilliant light in the, 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 the depth of, of the, the darkness that, that, that we are all you know, tripping around in, it has never been stronger than right now. And if you will resolve to, to let the salvation of Jesus Christ rise in your life, and if you will resolve to allow the Spirit of God to translate the love of Christ into the details of your living, if you will resolve to do everything, everything that you do, as verse 17 says, in word or deed, all in the name of the Lord Jesus, so that it reflects him, so that it resembles him, so that it makes people think of him, so that it makes people smile, it inspires, um, it ignites, it, it, it starts something, a way of thinking that, that is not of this world. If you and I live that kind of, of faith, then we are beginning to live Jesus. Our call 
our call is to love. And putting on love means among anything, as verse 14 says, and over all these virtues, put on love which binds them all together in unity. Christians, I, I get so frustrated with, with you and me as we, we say, oh yeah, love, I know that. N- no, it's everything. It's the only thing. And we put on love means that we don't go around naked in our, our woundedness, in our, our anger, in our fear. We are clothed with the compassion of Christ, the love of Jesus Christ. And, and until our words and actions overflow with the agape of God, our faith is fake like an empty package promising something and delivering nothing. In John 13, 34 and 35, Jesus said, A new command I give you, love one another in the exact same way with the same passion and joy and depth as I have loved you. By this, everyone will know that you're my disciple. Does your politic and your handling of this pandemic increase division and fear, or does it reveal Jesus, and the love of heaven. 1 Corinthians 13 says this, If I speak with the tongues of men or of angels but have not love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries, and if I have all knowledge and a faith that can move mountains, but I do not have love, I am nothing. If I give everything I possess to the poor and give my body to incredible hardship, but I do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient, it's kind, it does not easily, is not easily angered, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self-seeking, um, it keeps no record of wrongs, love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres, and love never fails. In a fearful world, you become the portrait of his peace when you are living your life-changing salvation. Everyone hurts, everyone's wounded, everyone's afraid, and until Jesus becomes Lord, that will continue through the life. But when Jesus becomes Lord, the wounding is becoming healing, the hurting becomes hoping, the aloneness becomes, becomes family and community. And so everything changes in the name of Jesus. Colossians 3.15 says, let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. We all allow some thought, fear, uh, idea, or feeling to rule us, to become the foundation of our lives and the energy of our living. But Jesus Christ has called you and given you the divine possibility through the power of the Holy Spirit to live out in his peace, regardless of a pandemic and regardless of the politics of our age. So take a deep breath and rejoice. Because the verse goes on to say, be thankful. In the midst of all this, because of the name of Jesus Christ, be thankful. And let the message of Christ, verse 16 says, dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit of God, singing with gratitude in your hearts. There is this overflow. When we let the agape of God rule our hearts, we become different. We become people who have no enemies. We become people who who prioritize the name of Jesus over any name we could build for ourselves or any name we could call anybody else. It is the name of Jesus that becomes the Lord of, of our living. 
And our knowing translates into a new kind of living. And this new kind of living, it attracts. It is the, the aroma of Christ as we live. It, it, doesn't, it doesn't repeat the, the signals of this world. It, it radiates something from another world, another realm, another kingdom. It radiates the love of heaven. And verse 17 of Colossians chapter 3 says this, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Jesus' love changes everything forever. What does his name mean to you? Does his name mean more to you than your pain? Does his name mean security to you in a pandemic? Does his name mean peace to you? Is his name the power that that guides your life. What does Jesus' name mean to you? How does it change your value of people? <laughs> How are you different in the world because of Jesus and the name that you call upon and that, that you have taken inside of you? And what in your life has been bigger than Christ that maybe today you just need to let go of? Now more than ever, it's time to live Jesus and be in our, our divided world, the love that God uses to save. That's your call, and that's my call. And through this election day and election season, I'm calling you to be that love and pray that love for our nation. And I just want to close today with a prayer for, for our nation. I'm going to ask you to do something a little different. If you're not a believer, it's okay. You know, thank you so much for, 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 for watching and for tuning in. Um, but, but there's just kind of this thing we do sometimes as believers just to kind of raise our hand. And it, it sort of takes us out of our own, um, you know, self-consciousness. And, and, and the lifting is kind of a reminder that there's something higher and above us. And it, it's kind of a symbol of, of the power of God that, that goes forth. So I'm going to ask you, if you're a believer today, to just bow your head and raise your hand with me as we pray for our nation in this, this season of fear. Father, I thank you for the name, the name of Jesus. I pray for the salvation of our nation, and I pray for its peace through the name of Jesus. Father, we declare the truth that you are sovereign and you are in control. And you will guide us through 2020 and you will continue to, to lead us into your love in 2021. So Father, we ask your blessing upon this nation that we might be a blessing to the nations. We ask, Father, for a new work and awakening of the life of Jesus in our living. And I pray that every believer here would call upon the name of Jesus in a new way, a fresh way, and allow that call to result in a new way of treating other people with the compassion and the love and the agape of Jesus Christ, shown on the cross, proven in the resurrection. Father, thank you that you hold our nation not only in your hands, but in your heart. We answer your call in Jesus' name, and all God's people say, Amen.
Thank you so much for joining us this morning in worship and for hearing your call to rise to the love of your